Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Friday, October 28th. Mark Schofield, Chuck Zada here with you for Kicker Friday. But more importantly, we are just three days until Halloween. Chuck, do you have your costume ready to go? I do have my costume ready to go. What are you this year? I'm going as Rocky. Really? Yeah. I got a, I found, it was probably about six months ago, actually. I was trolling on Amazon as I'm uh, prone to do when I've had a beer or three. And uh, I found this great Rocky costume. And so I was sitting there. I was like, look, I got Halloween figured out in like May. Like, this is perfect. And so I uh, I got a nice little, uh, you know. I, I've got- what did you type into your like Amazon search menu to pull up a Rocky costume? A. And B, how is it a good Rocky costume? Like, I'm just picturing, you know, the sh- you know trunks that Creed gave him or Creed's you know, trainer gave him before he fought Drago. Well, so I, I got the trunks, and then I've got uh, I've got the the robe. So I've got you know the full robe and everything. So I can kind of build the costume as things go. And then I got the gloves. So the way I see it, it's kind of a two part costume for when you show up to uh, you know any type of Halloween party. It's you first show up and you come in. You got the robe over your head. You walk in. You know, real slow. You know, kind of just pounding the gloves together a little bit, not really saying a whole lot. And then all of a sudden. Robe comes off and you're ready to roll. You know, you get a little mouthpiece in there. You get a little sweat breaking down your face, and that's how you do it. What did I type into Amazon? I couldn't tell you. It's it's not a pretty thing when I get on there. Fair point. Well, having covered Halloween costumes, let's do some Kicker Friday action, Chuck. And as you teased yesterday, we're going to be talking about the Saints. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit of Saints. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Thomas Morstead and uh, – Morstead's a guy that had a difficult uh, 2015 season uh, by his standards. He's always been uh, a pretty capable punter, very good directionally. Not a huge leg, but uh, you know, a, a capable leg. But 2015 was a really tough season for him. He was a guy who uh, last season put up uh, overall hang time average of about 4.34 seconds, about a tenth below the league average. His target distance punted number uh, was just 95%, meaning he was about 5% below what you would expect to see in terms of the distance that he covered uh, on each punt. And in particular, you know, he had a few punts last year that as you go down through the regular season, you know, really stood out as being uh, quite poor. He had one in uh, the first week of the season from his own 43-yard line that only went 27 yards. Uh, you continue down the list. He had a couple others, one in the uh, the Saints' 13th game of the year, rather, I'm sorry, the 12th game of the year from his 33 that only went 27 yards as well. Uh, he had another one from his 8-yard line that only went six, uh, 32 yards. So, you know, really had some struggles with some shanks along the way and just did not... Uh, have himself a very good 2015. And to be completely honest, I didn't have high expectations for him uh, coming into this season as well. I simply, you know, kind of said, okay, you know, Morstead had a tough season last year. He's a guy who, 
uh, you know, is 30 years old now, which is not old for a punter, but you say, look, maybe this is, you know, kind of who he's settling in to be uh, at this point. His numbers had been declining for a couple of years since uh, back in 2012, where he put together a great season. But let me tell you, his 2016, this guy is, along with Marquette King and Johnny Hecker, those are the three guys who at this point I'm sitting there and I'm saying, look, these are probably your three best punters over the first seven weeks of the 2015, uh, 2016 season. So what's been the improvement in this game? What has been doing differently? What's been standing out to you when watching them on tape? Man, it is everything. Let's, let's talk just about the uh, kind of the basic stats that everyone's familiar with first off. He's averaging 50.9 yards per punt, okay? So absolutely massive distance that he's generating right now. In terms of his net average, 44.8 yards. To put that in perspective, the net average, okay? 44.8 yards, if you were looking at that in terms of overall punting average, of gross punting average, the 44.8 would still be good enough for 20th in the league. So his net is greater than 12 punters gross, just to show you what he's putting up right now. And in terms of overall net average, and it's not fully representative uh, of, you know, again, I, I don't like to get into these stats too much because I don't love them, but it's still is second in the league in terms of net average there, behind only uh, Sam Martin of Detroit. So the basic stats tell you one thing. As you start to look at things on a more advanced level, you see that he really is playing at a different level than what you saw last year. I mentioned his target distance uh, punted last year was 95%. This year it's 104. So he went from being a guy who was 5% below average in terms of the distance that he hit on every kick to being 4% above average. So that's a 9% swing. It works out that if you're punting five times a game, that's about a 10 to 12 yard swing depending on where the ball is placed, which works out to about a point per game improvement. Okay, so you're talking about, you know, a fairly significant improvement from one year to the next there, just in terms of target distance punted. The other thing that you're seeing, okay, uh, I mentioned that the net punting average for him is very strong this year. I mentioned that it's, you know, the second best in the league. Well, if you go back and take a look at his 2015 numbers, he only averaged 40.7 yards of net punting average. Part of the reason for that was because his hang time was so low. This year, as opposed to generating 4.34 seconds of hang per kick, he's doing 4.62, so it's three-tenths of a second more in hang time, which it's, it's not a science, but it pretty much means that your coverage unit is getting an extra two to three yards down the field, and they're able to make more plays for you. So both of those just right off the bat stand out to me. And so you're talking about a guy who, you know, when you factor everything in, is probably boosting up his numbers from last year by anywhere between about three quarters and one and a quarter points a game and 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 that's really something that you know doesn't show up for the saints right now just because they're not necessarily good at a lot of other things defense in particular but morstead's doing everything he can to keep that defense in the game can we talk about his game against kansas city uh, game this against Kansas like, City. Which uh, which week are we talking about? Let me get it pulled week. up. Okay. Because I just, you know, going through that game just now, and his four punts, we got a 46-yard punt, rolls out of bounds at the Kansas City 15, 49-yard punt to the Kansas City 11, return for no game. Returner was tackled immediately. Yep. We got a 48-yard punt at the Kansas City 4 that was downed, and a 50-yard punt at the Kansas City 5 that was fair caught. 
So you've got four punts, all of them down or stopped within the 15-yard line or, or closer to the goal line. Well, and, and, and what you mentioned, you mentioned you know you had punts rolling out of bounds and so forth. Here is the most impressive thing for Morstead, okay? He's had 20, uh, 28 punts on the season. No, I'm sorry, 24 punts on the season, okay? Out of those 24 punts, he only has two fair catches, which people would look at and say, why is that a good thing? He's you know less than 10% are fair caught. Despite only having two fair catches on the season, he's only allowed nine returns. And the reason for that is because he's putting the ball outside the numbers on an incredibly consistent basis. 16 of his 24 punts have been on or outside the right numbers. So he goes down that right sideline an awful lot, and he is absolutely outstanding at it. He's, he's along with Sam Cock in Baltimore, he's one of the best in the game at the directional game. He's, he tends to be a little bit more oriented towards that right side, but he is just phenomenal kicking to that side of the field. Yeah, I mean, all of these punts end up outside the numbers. Yeah, it's it, believe it or not, so uh, at this point in the season, Morstead is the only punter in the NFL who has not put a ball between the hashes. Really? He is the only punter in the NFL who has not put a ball between the hashes. Yeah, and you know you mentioned the right side. Three of the four do go to that side, but the the, the fourth one, the fifty yarder, goes down to the left side. You know, and that one's you know fair caught at the Kansas City five. The the other thing that's amazing about this, so he's only had he hasn't had a single punt inside the hashes. Okay, out of his twenty four kicks, he's only had four inside the numbers. Wow, everything is to the outside, and those four have all been. Uh, to the left side, where, again, he's not quite as proficient, so he's had four between the left numbers and the left hash, but he has not had anything inside the numbers to this point, and it's a huge reason why he's able to really control field position so well. He pins teams uh, to the outside incredibly well. The other thing that you're seeing from him, I mentioned last year that he had a few kicks that, you know, there's 27 yarders, the 33 yarders, I think it was, that really didn't do him any favors. This year... Morstead only has six out of 24 kicks that are in any way below average in terms of target distance punted. Three of those are by less than two yards. So he's only had three kicks this season that have resulted in uh, punting distances that have been more than two yards short of what you'd be expecting. So he, it's, it's not like he's doing this on a couple kicks. He has just been incredibly consistent all season and... It's, it's just been a pleasure to watch him just because, you know, he's a guy who did have some struggles last year, but he's bounced back, and his, his directional control is just so impressive. I'll tell you that. You, you mentioned, you know, he hasn't punted between the hashes. Do you have any numbers on, like, the average, um, you know, for NFL punters this year on directional punting, or is that something you haven't sketched out yet? Um, let's see. I have some data through... Let's see when this is through. No, actually, that's not accurate right now just because I had moved some things around. I'll give you some comparisons just for some other guys. Okay. okay. Uh, Brad Nortman this year, who's kicking for Jacksonville, has had 27 punts on the year. He's put nine in between the hashes. Okay, so about a third of his punts. Uh, continuing down the list, uh, Pat O'Donnell for the Bears. Pat's been pretty active. Pat's already had 42 punts this year through uh, the first seven weeks. Three of those have ended up between the hashes. So not a ton, but he still has had a few. Uh, continuing down the list, Bradley Pinion, who has one of the biggest legs in the league. He has had, well, hold on. San Francisco actually breaks my formula pretty much. They have had 
Oh, boy. 43 punts this year, so even more than O'Donnell. He's had nine that have gone uh, inside the hashes. As he continued down even further, uh, you know, Quigley's had seven, I believe. Um, John Ryan for Seattle has had seven. So, you know, every other kicker, and you talk about good guys, even let's go up to uh, to Baltimore and take a look uh, at what Baltimore's done with Sam Cock. And let me see where he's hiding here. Here we go. So even Baltimore, he's had three. He's had three in between the hashes, and this is a guy who I, I pretty much rate as the strongest directional punter in the league, uh, but he has had three that have been in between the hashes. So to not have one through the first seven weeks is pretty impressive. It's pretty yeah. impressive. Those are some good numbers, man. Anything else that sticks out to you watching him this year? Well, I want to see how he uh, continues to do as things start to get colder and the weather gets a little bit worse. Obviously, playing in the NFC South, you say, okay, well, you don't have too much to worry about, but you're going to be heading out to San Francisco, which obviously gets a little cold and potentially rainy. That's coming up in two weeks, so you've got that that you have to worry about. Uh, and actually, other than that, there's not too much bad weather that he's going to have to deal with. So, you know, there, he's going to be fairly fortunate this year in terms of how the schedule works out, just because some of the games that could have been cold weather, like that Giants game in week two, you know, that's it ended up being in, you know, fairly decent weather there. So he doesn't have a ton that he has to deal with in terms of weather. But I'm just curious to see how things continue to go for him. Obviously, uh, you know, you talk about how. Uh, this starts to affect things going forward for him. I mentioned he's 30 years old. Uh, you know, he's a guy who has had some strong years back in 2012 and 2013, but has been a little bit weaker in recent years here. And so what I start looking towards is, okay, this is a guy who is going to be playing for a contract in a couple of years. He's got a two-year extension through 2018, but you say, okay, what's you know what, what's the situation going to be as he starts coming around to that last contract? And so if he puts up a couple good seasons over the next couple, you know he's got a chance to make himself a little bit of money here. So I'm interested to see in how he continues to perform. And uh, you know this is a guy who, uh, as of this point right now, top three in the league for 2016 so far. Well, that's some fantastic stuff, my friend. And you know what that brings us to. Oh, what does it bring us to? I'm checking my watch. Is beer it? O'clock. Oh, it's beer o'clock. What do, you, what do you got on tap this weekend? Little uh, Goose Island Experimental Ale. Okay. It's a seasonal they come out with sort of in the fall, little little autumn. Um, you know, it's, I picked it up in a little variety pack. Looking forward to cracking into that. You know, I like Goose Island. They do some good stuff. Goose does a nice job. I'm pretty happy with, you know, even though they uh, got bought out by, uh, was it Budweiser that bought them out, I think? Uh, yeah. Yeah, even though they got, you know, taken out by them, you know, they still have stayed pretty pretty true to their roots, and I've been pretty, uh, pretty content with everything uh, that they've been able to put out. So, you know, in general, I've been pretty happy with, uh, with what I've seen from them. What about you, my friend? What do you got this weekend? So I've been hitting the uh, the uh, the local brewery up here in Everett, Mass. Actually, Night Shift, who uh, does some pretty good stuff in terms of uh, their fall beers. They've got one called the Falling Apple. That's a uh, little bit of a spicy golden ale that I've been hitting the last couple weeks. Uh, so I've been getting into that, and then they start to get their winter stuff coming out a little bit later. I've never been a huge winter beer fan, but you know I tend to like a lot of their stuff, so I might give it a shot. 
That sounds good, my friend. Well, hopefully to our listeners, it is now bear clock for you all as well, and you're getting ready to enjoy a nice fall weekend. Get a lot of stuff on tap this weekend, a lot of games, both the pro and college level, a little World Series action, basketball's back, hockey's back. This is why people point to October, man, being you know the best month of the year, at least for sports fans. And in times like this, weekends like this, I would tend to agree. So... I think the best time of the year for sports fans is actually late March to. Yeah, I know you go. You go the March route because you know you've got Final Four, you've got the Masters, you've got you know baseball coming back, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, NFL draft. There's a lot there, buddy. Yeah, I mean it's usually that that's the usual debate, right? It's either October or like you know that March, April, May like time frame. Yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah, tough call, but it's a tough call. But two good options. Enjoy one of them this weekend, which is all the stuff that October has to offer. Uh, Mark Schofield, Chuck Zotta, we will be back on Halloween for another edition of the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks Podcast. Spooky. Spooky.